Hello, my name's Alan Sargent, and today's podcast has the title of Gaining Sponsorship for Show Gardens as a Garden Designer. This article is written purely from personal experience and observations, is not intended to be the only method or route of finding a sponsor at a garden show. I hope that by explaining how I have succeeded over the years may help to inspire you as a garden designer to fulfil that dream of designing an award-winning show garden at one of the major shows. Now I constructed my first show garden at the South of England show, which is primarily agricultural, in 1982. It was self-funded except for some building materials donated by a local builder's merchant. It was designed by the brilliant Robin Williams, that's Robin Templar Williams' father, and we won second best newcomer to the show, beaten by the fire brigade. Well, that was a very pretty garden with some great and simple ideas to enthuse the public. I did not gain a single inquiry from being there. Nothing. The reason that nobody expected to see Gardens of Toro Range at an agricultural show, the main attraction of the event was a racehorse called Red Rum. Now, he attracted thousands of accolades on the day, whilst my excellent effort received nothing by the in the way of a return on investment. And the reason for recording the story is to illustrate that simply being at the show does not equate to any kind of recognition. And apart from some free materials, the whole project was an expensive waste of time. However, I learnt many things from that incident, including some great tips from Robin regarding visitor views and insights into the depths of the garden, always allowing the crowd the opportunity to see and appreciate the garden, whilst keeping at least one element just out of sight to tease and interest the viewer rather than spreading the whole picture out in one single canvas. As the viewer walked across the front of the plot, there was only a small site, six metres by four metres, uh, they could see into the garden but never every aspect or feature. So as they passed, new interest was exposed. This is a valuable tip for all show garden designers. My next experience in building show gardens was the following year. I was invited by the stalwart veteran of Chelsea, Peter Rogers, of Peter Rogers and Associates, who operated from a small nursery and design office in Oxted in Surrey. Peter had been commissioned by ECC Quarries, later to be known as Countryside Walling and Paving, which was take over, taken over eventually by Bradstone, to design and build a garden at Chelsea. Having agreed a price, I was to take charge of the whole project. I've been a landscaper since 1968, so I had some 15 years of experience to call upon and set about organising the many and diverse management issues surrounding the delivery of show gardens. There is a long list of vital tasks which you really will have to be involved in and organise, and this includes organising plants, materials, transport, electricity, water, parking on site, insurances, labour, tools, equipment, build-up and breakdown passes, and an absolute host of other practical matters. It's not a simple thing designing a show garden. Although Peter Rogers operated as a working with associates, he in fact worked alone. And Peter approached me again in the early spring of 1983 to ask if I'd like to project manage and build a second garden at the same Chelsea show. And naturally I agreed and suddenly found myself in charge of the Sunday Express garden designed by Steve Prescott, a landscape architect who won the opportunity in a competition to design a family garden. Now, Steve had never been to Chelsea before as an exhibitor and had no idea what to expect. But he provided me with a plant schedule, which in the event turned out to be nothing more than a wish list due to the lateness in the year that he was presenting it. And trying to source plants, especially large herbaceous in March, ready for May, was too big a wish. 
However, I tried and succeeded in finding many of his preferred plants, although when the time came to deliver them to the show, he was nonplussed to find that Peter's plants were more advanced and larger than his selection. Well, Peter had been growing his for, for months or years beforehand, so obviously the difference was substantial. When we finally completed both gardens, they were in decent shape, both winning silver gilt medals. And not bad for my first attempt at Chelsea, and for Steve, it was his first and I think last show garden, as far as I'm aware. An important thing to mention here is, because Peter was on his own, with no staff, he asked me to include manning the stand, remaining on the garden, at all times during the show. As these were from opening hours were from 0800 until 2000, there's no way he could cope with talking with the tens of thousands of visitors on his own, and therefore I helped him with this vital aspect of the show. And for this reason, I've always helped to man the stand during shows, handing out my own leaflets as well as the sponsor's material. Whether it's designer or landscape, I've enjoyed the benefits of being on the garden, talking to the public about my work, and I've never been relegated to being just the builder of the exhibit. It's important you need to get your name in the front at all times. I'm recalling all of these things by way of explaining my background and history in show gardens. Between 1983 and 2005, I built, as project managed every aspect, 37 R8 Chelsea show gardens, winning every medal from gold to best in show, that's with Peter Rogers, in 1986, through to bronze. I never managed to get a no award, which is probably remarkable, given the short notice I was sometimes given to build. So in total, including Chelsea, Hampton Court, Gardeners World Live and Tatton Park, I was awarded 61 medals, 37 as designer. Now my company is called Town & Country Gardens, and we were the number one show garden builder between the mid-80s and mid-90s building three gardens each Chelsea for six consecutive years. That's eight. That's 18 gardens in six years. So in 1997, I was the first and only person to have designed and built three show gardens at Chelsea in the same show. I'd already committed to Bradstone to build their Victorian garden when the RHS came to me in a panic as one of the main, large main avenue gardens were pulled out ten days before the opening day. So I ended up designing a building gardens for Barclays Bank and Focus Do It All as well as Bradstone, an exercise I'm delighted to achieve but never, never, ever again. The mental effort was enormous and trying to coordinate and instruct the building of three separate and different gardens simultaneously at a few days notice was quite an ordeal. It's fair to say we were the kings of Chelsea for that period but subsequently well and truly overtaken by my friend and colleague Mark Gregory of Landform. I think his curry at the time of writing, current tally at the time of writing was around 200 show gardens. That's more than three times my efforts. And I certainly learned a great deal about how show gardens work and how they're put together, the world of politics and internal dealings that take place within the system. I was invited to become a member of the Chelsea show panel that sets up the show, Chelsea being the only show that has a committee or panel due to the amount and number of applicants requiring experienced eyes to sort through the applicants and deciding which are worthy of moving towards finding a space in the limited grounds. And I was on that panel between the years of 1995 and 2005. Uh, in 1997, I became a show gardens judge and assessor, and with these roles came a lot of insight and knowledge behind the scenes. I left that position in 2005. And this is all background information. I think it's quite important to, for you to understand that you know, I, I have been there and I have done it, uh, and the next um, next tranche is going to describe how to go about getting your, your sponsorship. So turning now to the work of the Show Gardens Panel or Committee, 
Chelsea normally receives around three or four times as many applicants for spaces as there are available sites, and therefore the selection process can be quite brutal. Though applicants with mediocre plans, poor quality perspectives and presentations don't even make it into the committee room. They're jettisoned by the RHS staff rather than waste the panel's time looking at them. So if the panel are looking for, say, 40 gardens, and a shortlist of, say, 60 are chosen, uh, and to be re- remaining, each one is examined initially seeking three things. Sound sponsorship, good design, known landscaper. In my experience, despite whatever may be said officially, that's the order of priority. Without a sound sponsor, unless a presentation is really outstanding, it'll fail to make the definite list of chosen applicants. Now, good design and presentation are obviously very important, and it's advisable the designer presents properly drawn, scaled plans and an attractive perspective showing the attributes of the garden design. And bear in mind the selection panel are all highly experienced individuals, drawn from the world of show gardens, each with their own special interests and knowledge. Some are designers, others plants people, others are landscapers. And my personal input to the committee was hard landscaping, and all the other practical aspects of a scheme. Can it be built? Should it be built? Some ideas are simply too dangerous to display to the public, who will attempt to replicate them. Now, sound sponsors are extremely important to the RHS. If a project does not have secured funding, there's little chance of succeeding in being allocated space. The show is 100% commercial, and no shows cannot be tolerated. There's certainly no room for wishful thinkers. The known landscape element in the equation is the least important, even if the designer has not nominated a landscaper, the RHS has a list of experienced contractors they can send to the designer. So against this background, the question posed by this article is, how does a garden designer gain funding or sponsorship to be able to submit an application with a good chance of being accepted into the show? Now, I've concentrated my comments so far on Chelsea, simply because that is the most difficult show to enter, due to the pressure of the number of applicants. The other shows don't have this space problem in normal years. Now, I've managed to secure 100% funding from a number of high-profile organisations, including Alfred McAlpine Homes, Cellnet, uh, now known as O2, Waterworks UK, Focus Do It All, and they're all at Chelsea, plus others at Hampton Court, Gardeners World Live and Tatton Park, including Focus Do It All, Waterworks UK, Devon International and Garden Store Limited. Very much all 100% funding. Now, I've received numerous sponsorship deals for materials from different suppliers. That's the easy bit. I've persuaded a number of sculpture artists to lend me all kinds of very expensive and exclusive work to put on display, some costing many thousands of pounds. Uh, incidentally, make sure that everything you borrow is insured. Now, I've been lent several summer houses and pergolas, special masonry features, glass objects, very expensive arches, metalwork, trellises and a host of other artefacts. And whilst they are very welcome, they do not pay any money towards the show. Let's now examine how to persuade businesses, and it is usually business, businesses to provide you with sufficient funding to create a full show garden. Now, in order to obtain funding and sponsorship, you must provide the donor with something they want. They must be able to feel they're getting something of value for their money, because sponsors are rarely philanthropists. Philanthropists. I suggest the first place to start is at the beginning, and do you really appreciate what's involved in designing and producing a show garden? Do you really understand the amount of time you'd have to commit to the venture? Can you afford to spend two months away from your design practice? 
You must better answer these questions as they may be put to you by a potential sponsor. If you decide you really want the opportunity, decide on your target show. Chelsea will provide you with the greatest kudos and shop window for innovative ideas and be prepared to ensure those ideas are copyrighted as far as possible by any means you can. This includes watermarking any photographs you may have taken of your plans and drawings at the earliest possible stage to avoid plagiarism. Have a particular plot in mind, both orientation and size. You'll need to nominate both to the show's committee for judging purposes. Even if you're not offered a site to match your chosen orientation, your original request will be taken into consideration during assessment, in line with your technical brief. You may have to, you will have to describe your garden in detail to the judges, including soil conditions and site aspect location, when they can decide on whether or not you are accurate in your decisions. So it doesn't actually matter if you're going to be uh, building a west-facing garden and it's happened to be facing north, as long as you've actually told the judges it is a west-facing garden. I suggest you avoid strict lines or formal designs as it is difficult to re-dimension. You allocate the site different from your imagined or chosen one. It's better to have a design that is more fluid or able to be reconfigured than restrict yourself with mathematics. Decide on your chosen topic, subject, style of garden. At this stage, do not overthink your choice of sponsor. Better to concentrate on designing something attractive with a good use of space and form. It's extremely useful to provide a coloured perspective drawing to the judges, to the RHS rather, uh, complete with at least one human figure shown to scale. So many applications fail when subjected to scrutiny and fitness for purpose. For example, a garden designed for a dinner party that could scarcely hold a single occupant is not going to be accepted. So having completed your design, chosen your show venue, produced an attractive perspective, drawn by hand or a computer, that will immediately create interest, start to seek a sponsor. Now I'll give you a couple of ideas and scenarios. An outdoor office or outdoor office garden. How do you find a sponsor for an office garden? Well, look around your office. How many different suppliers and manufacturers can you see? Olivetti, Samsung, Hewlett Packard, Snowpake, Pritt, Staples, Canon, Apple. A long list. Now find out the name of the company secretary of each of these firms and make contact, offering them the opportunity to sponsor you at the Chelsea Flower Show for the following year. Now bear in mind that any finance budgets and so on for the year would have been allocated. You may be surprised to find they've been looking for a special event or venue to launch a new product or service and leap at the chance of becoming involved in such a high-profile event. That's what happened to me with Cellnet. They wanted to find a vehicle on which to launch their new logo and were delighted to sponsor my garden. They were great sponsors. Directly, if not beforehand, try and establish the amount of money that would be needed to build the garden. Now, talk with an experienced show garden landscaper. You can ask the APL for a list of such firms. To get a good idea of budget, add at least 100% for your time and unknown costs. Make sure your contractor includes all of the project costs in their quote. Your time is not simply doing the design, your time is not simply at the show. It'd take a lot longer than you think. Show house, show gardens. Although currently every house is being constructed, is sold for, is built. In the developer's sense there is a change in the air and the co-appeal is required to differentiate their houses from their competitors, show house gardens will and are a massively important element to creating and closing sales for house builders. Now I designed and built four such um, Chelsea gardens for, for Alfred McAlpine homes and well-designed show home gardens are a special art in themselves. 
Any designer who approaches a developer with the chance of being at the premier show in the world, Chelsea, displaying their show homes will gain an attentive audience. Show home gardens with sites of their own, where prospective buyers can sit quietly and hold private conversations away from the sales staff. Now, any designer who can show they understand the needs of prospective home buyers will be welcome to stand a good chance of gaining sponsorship, as well as plenty of ongoing work designing show gardens for their various sites, all as part of a package you can present to them. They'll not only be buying into a prospective opportunity to raise their profile as a developer, perhaps adopting a green theme, a venue and an occasion to invite high-profile guests, including manufacturers and suppliers to their building business, and plenty of ongoing publicity material for their sales leaflets and photographs in their show homes, show house offices, and where the buyer public are being interviewed by the sales staff. There are plenty of other potential sponsorship opportunities to be found once you have something visual to sell. Whatever theme you decide, try and match your chosen sponsor with your design. Although I've concentrated on Chelsea, bear in mind the same space pressure is not on shows such as Hampton Court, where the choice of Spencer may be wider, though the budgets available may not be as great. Whatever you decide, I suggest you keep true to yourself in your style of garden design so that your personal image is not compromised. So in summary, designing show gardens is the most rewarding and satisfying achievement a garden designer can do. And with careful planning, including making a realistic assessment of the impact of the time spent away from your core business will make, using a nominated size and type of plot for your dream design, produce an attractive perspective and detailed scale drawings of your creation. Remember, the initial impact on the viewer is paramount. If you can grab the attention of the RSH staff member who's flicking through many dozens of applications, you'll stand a very good chance of being accepted in the first instance. That same attention grabbing when discussing the matter with a potential sponsor is equally vital. It's sensible to try and make contact with both the RHS and potential sponsors about the same time. There's no horse before the cart involved. Without getting past the RHS panel or the sponsor at the same time, give or take a few weeks, you may lose the opportunity. But be prepared to succeed. Have all the answers ready to the questions to all parties involved. And be brave, be bold. Has anybody, do you know, anybody uh, approached somebody like Jeff Bezos uh, and asked if they wanted a, a garden at Chelsea or, or Elon Musk? This is the sort of attitude you've got to have. Really go out and try and grab that sponsor. The Royal Horticultural Society panel, potential sponsor and landscape contractor. Get all of your ducks in a row ready to start swimming. Thank you very much for listening. The next podcast is on children's play areas, which is quite a big subject. So see you again very soon. Goodbye.